The date is December 6th, 2022, and I performed two articles here. The first is Mercola's review of The Real Anthony Fauci, which is RFK's Jr.'s book about uh, Fauci, and he gives it five out of five stars. The details exposed in this book will likely lead to Fauci's resignation. Reviewed in the United States on November 16, 2021, Kennedy describes how Fauci turned the National Institutes of Health into an incubator for pharmaceutical products and essentially sold the entire country to the drug industry. The book is an incredibly well-referenced record of his history of decimating human health and exposes Fauci as a self-serving charlatan. Fauci, in turn, has had a hand in creating the vaccine gold rush. In 2000, he met with Bill Gates, who asked to partner with the NIH, National Institutes of Health, in an agreement to vaccinate the entire population of the world with a battery of new vaccines. In 2009, this agreement was rebranded as, quote, the Decade of Vaccines, unquote, the objective of which was to implement mandatory vaccinations for every adult and child on the planet by the year 2020. Gates didn't lure Fauci to the dark side, however. He'd already spent decades playing with people's lives and sacrificing public health for profit. One of the darkest stains on Fauci's career, aside from his role in the COVID pandemic, was his handling of the HIV epidemic. The first cases of AIDS surfaced in 1981. Initially, the AIDS program was run by the National Cancer Institute, a separate institute inside the Health and Human Services Department, HHS. The general belief was that AIDS had a chemical etiology or cause caused by drug use. This all changed when the HIV virus was discovered. Fauci made a deliberate crusade to make sure that inexpensive approaches that worked were not available to sick people in order to make sure that AZT would be the only solution. And AZT was the most expensive drug in history. It was $10,000 for a one-year supply while costing just $5 per dose to manufacture. Plus, U.S. taxpayers paid for all the research and development of the drug. Although the bonanza of money made with AZT pales in comparison to Pfizer making out like a bandit. The U.S. taxpayers paid $20 billion to fund the research and another $10 billion to market the COVID jab, and Pfizer created the best-selling drug in the world and will make $35 billion from it the first year. Even better, unlike AZT, this is absolutely risk-free and they can never be sued for injuries. This is precisely the playbook that Fauci followed for the COVID-19 pandemic. An estimated 330,000 people have died from AZT alone. Overall, the similarities between the AZT scandal and what's happening today with the COVID jab and remdesivir are striking. Again, Fauci has discouraged the use of any prevention for COVID-19 and any treatment using inexpensive and relatively non-toxic drugs such as hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. U.S. taxpayers funded the research while drug companies have made an estimated $100 billion in profits from the shots in a single year, all the while having zero liability for injuries and deaths even as people are being coerced into taking them. 
Fauci, Gates, and the UK Wellcome Trust control 83% of the biomedical research on Earth through their funding. Over his career, Fauci alone has distributed more than $930 billion in research grants through his NIAID. You can say they control all of it, really, because they also have the capacity to dry up funding to projects they don't want done. Between 2009 and 2016, about 230 drugs were approved by the FDA, all of which came out of Fauci's shop. So he is an incubator for pharma. And here's what he does. At his lab, he has Petri dishes filled with every virus imaginable, and he has scientists that are messing around with different molecules and different poisons, and they'll drop these poisons into a Petri dish and see if it kills the culture. If it does kill the culture, then he has a potential antiviral drug. Kennedy's book exposes many of Fauci's lies and his funding of sadistic experiments on animals and aborted fetuses that are coming to light. There is a strong possibility that Fauci will be forced to resign because of what is exposed and brought to light by this book. If you have any desire to understand the backstory of the pandemic and how Fauci was a central player, you need to read this book. The next article that I'm going to perform is entitled, Pfizer Says It Needs to Study a Third Dose for Toddlers. This is a December 2021 analysis by Dr. Joseph Mercola. Story at a glance. Pfizer announced their experiments on children six months and older were unsuccessful in two to five-year-olds as they didn't produce an immune response leading to a recommendation for a third shot in delaying the EUA for the youngest citizens. Although the experiments produced a strong response in children 6 months to 24 months and 5 to 12 years, the company announced they were evaluating increasing these doses as well. The study is listed as a Phase 1, 2, and 3 model, evaluating the safety, dose, and efficacy simultaneously, a strategy seldom if ever used. Data collection and analysis will be completed in one year on a population with little risk of the illness. Despite the readily available and public data, some continue to call for a shot for children for the sake of herd immunity. Yet, according to a recent engineering analysis, more people have died from the shot in less time than from the disease. Children are the future. Over the centuries, many have suffered atrocities at the hands of adults. Yet the recent push to inject children with a genetic experiment may be one of the worst public health offenses perpetrated on a population of people who are unable to speak for themselves, do not have a legal voice, and depend on adults to protect them. In the push to ensure there is a shot in every arm, Pfizer recently announced the clinical trials for the COVID jab, jab in children have hit a snag. And yet you'd be hard-pressed to call the, quote, warp speed creation testing, and manufacture of this shot anything but implausible. Historically, vaccines have been pulled after reported damage. At no other time in history have, quote, vaccines been created and distributed with such impunity. The closest scenario occurred in 1976 when one young soldier died from a new form that triggered fear, a new... Uh, a new form of 
a virus that triggered fear and the subsequent develop, development of a vaccine aimed at 80% of the American public. While the World Health Organization took a quote, wait and see approach, the CDC jumped in with both feet. It was a pandemic that never materialized and those who were the real victims were the roughly 450 people who developed Guillain-Barre syndrome, a rare neurological disorder, and the roughly 53 who died from the vaccine. The rush to produce the newest vaccine iteration ostensibly began in early 2020 after the World Health Organization announced SARS-CoV-2 would produce a worldwide pandemic, and an early, odd mathematical model predicted millions of deaths in America. Yet this was not a medicinal product that meets the definition of a, quote, vaccine. It was something never heard of before in vaccinology, based on an experimental muscular RNA technology that triggers your body to produce a spike protein. It was so new, in fact, that the CDC decided to change the definition of vaccine, and scientists were unsure of how the body would react to the genetic therapy injection. While the swine flu injection was pulled after 45 million shots were given when 53 people died, the COVID-19 injection will have a different history. According to data from the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, VAERS, collected by the CDC and the FDA, there have been 20,244 deaths recorded in conjunction with the COVID jabs as of December 10, 2021, 12 months after the first shot was given to, in the U.S. According to Bloomberg, as of December 23, 2021, there have been 499 million doses given in America. It's difficult to compare these numbers since two of the three available COVID shots require a double shot, so there haven't been 497 million people vaccinated. Yet, the adverse events and deaths are also occurring after just one shot. Taken at face value, the U.S. shut down the vaccination program in 1976 after 0.000117% of people died, while the VAERS estimate is that 0.00407% of people have died after a COVID injection, using Bloomberg's December 21st dose numbers of 497 million. In other words, based on the percentage of people who have died, 3,000 378% more died after the COVID injection than from the swine flu injection. There have been 965,841 adverse events reported. That's over a million now. This was written in December, including permanent disabilities and heart attacks in young people. And yet stakeholders in the shot insist the next generation of Americans must take it. Pfizer announced youngest kids not responding to the shot. Pfizer has been working on a clinical trial to evaluate the safety of the messenger RNA jab in healthy children, intending to create a dose for children six months and older. Endpoints report Pfizer recently announced, quote, non-inferiority was not met for children between the ages of two and five when compared to older teenagers in the current trial. Originally, the company hoped to apply for an emergency use authorization, EUA, for the youngest by the end of December 2021. However, since the data have not proven successful, they hope to submit for the EUA in the first half of 2022, one short year after starting the experiment. 
The company said it has made a shift to giving three doses in smaller amounts to raise the immune response. They explained the decision in this way, quote, Compared to the 16 to 25-year-old population in which high efficiency was demonstrated, non-inferiority was met for the 6 to 24-month-old population, but not for the 2 to under 5-year-old population in this analysis. The decision to evaluate a third dose of 3 micrograms for children 6 months to under under 5 years of age reflects the company's commitment to carefully select the right dose to maximize the risk-benefit profile. Pfizer and BioNTech also plan to evaluate a third dose of the 10 microgram formulation in children 5 to 12 years of age. So I'm just going to interject here. If you understood that, you're smarter than I am. It sounds like gobbledygook to me. In continuing, if the two-dose regimen makes the changes to the immune system in the 6 to 24 months group and 5 to 12 year age groups that the company is looking for, why move to a three-dose regimen for them if not for the financial gain? Pfizer pushing the envelope with a phase 1-2-3 trial. It's important to note that the trial is listed in clinical trials as a phase 1-2-3 study. Phase 1 trials are generally concerned with establishing drug safety and dose range in a small number of healthy volunteers. Phase 2 trials determine the effectiveness of the drug using approximately 100 to 300 volunteers and often last from several months to two years. Phase 3 studies are the final evaluation performed over multiple centers with up to several thousand patients to test the drug safety and efficacy. A search of the clinical trials database shows only one study in several hundred thousand studies listed that are simultaneously in phase 1, 2, and 3. But not all parents and scientists are appalled by the experimentation on six-month-old babies in the face of massive adverse events and permanent damage to adults. One mother and epidemiologist, Caitlin Janetalina, wrote that she finds comfort that the clinical trial found errors and was surprised when it failed. She wrote, quote, As a mom, I was shocked and heartbroken. My girls were so close to getting their shots. We've waited so long and really need a win. Children are not at risk from COVID. Despite low rates of infection and death, the American Academy of Pediatrics calls vaccines our best hope to end the COVID-19 pandemic. However, we do know that the risk to children birth to 17 years is so small as to be inconsequential. The CDC reports a total number of deaths in 2020 and 2021 from COVID-19 in this age group is 668 as of December 23, 2021. One study posted on July 7, 2021, looked at deaths in the UK during the first 12 months of the pandemic and found that 99.995% of children survived. Between March 2020 and February 2021, only 25 children under the age of 18 had died in the UK as a direct result of the infection. The researchers found there were 61 children with positive test results, but 36 deaths were attributed to other causes. This is a two in one million absolute mortality rate for children. More children have died from the shot than from the illness. To compare the number of deaths from COVID illness against those who've died from the genetic therapy injection, 
we must address the known underreporting factor in VAERS, which is a, mass, a passive reporting system and the only area where the public can voluntarily report adverse events, including death. The VAERS document is long and time-consuming to fill out, and while much of the information is necessary, the form can easily become overwhelming when doctors have multiple patients with adverse events from the COVID-19 shot. Several factors are likely to contribute to the underreporting, including the length of the form, lack of knowledge of the system, and a growing physician shortage. One investigative team updated the, the underreporting form in November 2021. The original number has had been set in an early grant report submitted by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services stating, quote, Fewer than 1% of vaccine adverse events are reported, unquote. Using an engineering analysis of the available data and judgment based on peer-reviewed literature and expertise of the scientists, an underreporting factor of 41 was determined. One of the paper's writers, Steve Kirsch, recognized that the underreporting factor would affect the number of children who died after taking the vaccine versus the number who have died from the illness. He used CDC data ending December 8, 2021, which showed 757 children younger than 18 were casualties of COVID-19. As of December 22, 2021, that number had grown to 790 casualties. He then found 32 deaths from the vaccine in the VAERS data ending December 3, 2021. Using the underreporting factor of 41 in the data Kirsch took from the VAERS and the CDC, this suggests there would have been 1,312 deaths that likely were caused by the injection as compared to 757 deaths caused by the illness. If you do the math, this means the shot has killed roughly 173% more children than the illness. Using the same underreporting factor of 41, in the current VAERS data ending December 10, 2021, we can estimate there, there are likely 39,599,481 adverse events and 830,000 deaths caused by the injection. This is vitally important as the total number of deaths recorded for COVID-19 as of December 22nd is only 807,000. This means the shot possibly has killed more children and adults in the virus and in less time. Additionally, when you look at the data from the CDC, you note there are 36,000 more deaths recorded in 2021 after the release of the vaccine than in 2020 when the illness first emerged from Wuhan. Although the World Health Organization didn't declare the pandemic until March 2020, the U.S. has reclassified deaths before that Vaccinating children for herd immunity is unethical. Despite the readily available data, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the CDC, the FDA, and others continue to call for vaccination in the most vulnerable in the population, our children. Their developing immune system and inability to protect themselves create vulnerability that opens them up to unfathomable damage. Sadly, medical professionals who express their concern are roundly ignored despite the growing number of these healthcare professionals who are stepping forward. Among them is a cardiac surgeon and patient advocate, Dr. Human Nishorsham, who sent a public letter to the FDA commissioner in January 2021. 
In it, he detailed the risks of vaccinating individuals who have been previously infected with SARS-CoV-2 or who have an active SARS-CoV-2 infection. It was subsequently taken down from medium.com. Immunologist Dr. Bart Klassen also warned in early 2021, there is troubling evidence suggesting some messenger RNA shots may cause prion disease, such as Alzheimer's and ALS. And Dr. J. Patrick Whalen, a pediatric rheumatologist specializing in multi-system inflammatory syndrome, has expressed concern about messenger RNA's shot's ability to cause, quote, microvascular injury to the brain, heart, liver, and kidneys in a way that is not currently being assessed in safety trials, unquote. Health officials are telling parents that children should be vaccinated for the sake of herd immunity. What is largely ignored are the studies that show children are not driving the pandemic and, in fact, appear less likely to transmit the virus than adults. The Children's Health Defense notes, quote, In short, public health leaders say parents must, quote, vaccinate the young to protect the old, unquote, given the federal government's estimate that one vaccine injury results from every 39 vaccines administered, it seems clear that officials expect children to shoulder 100% of the risks of COVID vaccination in exchange for zero benefits. An opinion piece in the British Medical Journal by Peter Doshi, Alaya Abby Joad, and Claudia Michelle Teitelbaum highlight why we must not force children to take the COVID shot simply because it might help vulnerable adults. They write, quote, even if we were to assume this protection does exist, the number of children that would be needed to be vaccinated to protect just one adult from about a severe COVID-19, considering the low transmission rates, the high proportion of children and already being, already being post-COVID and most adults being vaccinated or post-COVID would be extraordinarily high. Moreover, this number would likely compare unfavorably to the number of children who would be harmed, including for rare serious events. A separate but critically important question is one of ethics. Should society be considering vaccinating children, subjecting them to any risk, not for the purpose of benefiting them, but in order to protect adults? We believe the onus is on adults to protect themselves. Doshi was even more blunt in his June 10, 2021 public comment to the FDA's Vaccines and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee. There, he pointed out that the FDA can only authorize the use of a medical product in a population if the benefit outweighs the risk in that same population. That means that even if adults were to benefit, the COVID shots cannot be authorized for children unless children would actually benefit from it themselves. In the case of COVID-19 injections, children cannot benefit seeing how they have only a 0.005 risk of death in the first place. Healthy children have died shortly after the jabs and dozens of cases of heart inflammation have been reported. Since when in the history of public health have children been sacrificed to protect the sick and elderly? Public health authorities have completely reversed the conventional risk-reward analysis. And he has 50 references.